Joe, are you out there? Yes, Robert, I'm here. I just washed my hands. Okay, so fantastic. So I think just we can... <laughs> <laughs> I think we can... Don't touch your face. Get, oh. That's all I... That's all I care about. Don't touch your face. What about my ears? Have you heard the the uh, the song, the Vietnamese song that you know? When you wash, 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 wash your hands, hands is it like that? You, it's uh, yeah, no, but it's now I'm good. going to be singing that song all day in my head. So oh, it you. gets in your head. Trust me, it is an earworm for sure. Oh, jeez, yeah. it's crazy, man. Crazy, I'll it's, tell you. But a, you know, podcast, uh, we're virus free, so I think we're. I think that we're going to be fine, not to make light that of it, is, because I know a lot of people are freaking out. They, yes, there is the there is a lot of people freaking out right about now. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, with varying degree of help from the mainstream media, which is not, you know, not really helping things a lot. Um, you know, anyway, it's it's it, it gets a little frustrating for for those of us who certainly make their living running around the planet and doing things it uh you know the the world is a little crazy right now did you read um do you ever read scott galloway's no mercy no malice oh, of course absolutely so i yeah, just sure. got it and so we're recording this on friday and i just got it and i love it let me see if i can find it he says uh he's oh he says because he was he's talking about the the current government situation and the handling of the virus and he said is he so he goes and he rants about the whole thing and how he cut funding by this to, for the CDC by 9% and all this stuff. And he puts a note at the bottom. He says, note, before sending hate mail, recognize it's not partisan to observe idiocy. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's exactly right. Oh, I just thought, yeah. I'm like, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. don't complain. Happen, yeah, happen play stupid games, stuff. win stupid prizes. Yeah. But, but this is a marketing show. I don't know. Should we, um, I don't know, maybe we should talk about some of that stuff and... Not about yeah the end of the absolutely. world. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Let's roll. And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 229 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Friday, March 7th, 2020. And with me is my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who's so pure and orange that he actually can't get the coronavirus, Mr. Joe Polizzi. <laughs> How are you, my friend? It has been a crazy, crazy week in a lot of respects, but uh, it's good to sit down and chat with you for a while. You know, because we... It is. And, we really didn't. We we usually just so you know, a little behind the scenes of the podcast. Usually we get on and we'll you and I what talk maybe fifteen twenty minutes. We just catch up. That's right. Just because you and I were really busy today and we couldn't do it at our normal time on Thursday, and we just you know we got right on and got started. So we have no That's idea right. what's going to happen. No in the show. This could be this this literally could go off the rails at any moment. Uh, yeah, this is almost, this is as live as live gets really with this podcast. It was really nice. I was out in, as you know, I was out in San Mateo with the great folks at the Bay oh, Area so content sweet. meetup, uh, yeah. with, uh, with Dennis and, and Rich and Tom with Arm Treasure Data who brought me out there and it was just a load of fun, but you'll love this. Well, not, <laughs> first of all, they were giving away copies of Killing Marketing and I really was going to sign them Robert Rose. 
Um, oh, you should have. Well, oh, for sure. I was going to, but I was going to inscribe like, you know, you're a loser. Thanks, Robert Rose. But um, I didn't want to do that <laughs> because I thought that would be mean. But the, yeah, little bit. the thing yeah. that I really liked, which means that people are starting to pick up on the fact that we have the, the podcast going again, is how many people came up to us and said, came up to me and said they love the podcast. And the best lines were, and they all were the same. It's like, it's just like you and Robert are sitting around having a beer and I get to, you know, listen on, in on the conversation and they love it. So it's, it was just nice to hear that again. Well, it's fantastic. I mean, that's the thing, right? That's what we always wanted this thing to be, right? We always thought, you know, I mean, I, I, I can still remember driving through the bowels of Indiana in a rental car and you and I having a 90 minute conversation while I was driving there talking about doing this thing and basically saying, you know, as long as it's just us two chuckleheads sitting around talking and, and, you know, commenting, then there's a show there maybe, yeah. but, but, you know, but, but the minute that it starts to become forced, that's when it's going to sound if it ever felt like work, I think you and I would say, "That's right, get it." That's it's no. Fun. That's a great point. Yes, it, that's and exactly. It doesn't. I, actually, I still can't believe people listen because it's just I, you and I on a phone call. But I do. Right. So I want to ask you a question because you're out on the speaking circuit more than than I am, obviously. But I did do my first. It was a at the the content meetup. It wasn't a speech, but it was an hour Q and A. So I'm sure. up standing around. They're asking me content marketing questions and writing questions, and it was great. I absolutely had a – it was a wonderful time. I had a beer in my hand the whole time. The crowd was awesome. But probably about half the people – still a great crowd, but half the people didn't show up because, as you know, everybody's concerned about being in public places. But as I, as I started to see people, see old friends, meet people, it started with a hug. Everybody's, oh, it's great to see you. And then, I don't know. 10, 15 minutes goes by, and then people are showing me the the elbow greeting thing. <laughs> so I'm greeting. Right, we're right. greeting. And then, yeah, somebody, fist bumps. And then yeah. somebody said something about this kick thing where we're, you know, I don't know. We're breakdancing, basically, to greet each other. And then it's like a high from afar. Uh, it's It was just odd. It was like we're seeing a complete change in how we greet other people. But then I've been on... Facebook, of course, promoting the book and doing all that stuff, but I've been seeing a lot of the speakers in our Speak and Spill group that we're with just moan, and rightfully so in a lot of cases, about the amount amount of cancellations that are happening in the event industry. And I know this is affecting you, and I kind of just wanted to get your take it as a, you know, a lot of your time is speaking and giving workshops and training. What's going on with your business and your life, and, and what, do you, what are you thinking is going to happen? Well, you know, to say that I'm not worried would be false. Um, but here I'll say this. So just from a personal standpoint, and then I'll sort of comment on the more macro question that you that you uh, asked. From a personal standpoint, I've never been more grateful to have multiple lines of revenue. Yes. I mean, you know, I learned from my pal Joe Polizzi a long <laughs> time ago that having multiple lines of revenue was the the key to surviving um, in, in business. And... In fact, almost from the day one, 80%, 90% of my revenue comes from consulting and teaching workshops, not from speaking. Yeah. Um, and in fact, most of my speaking that I do 
is what uh, Tamsin Webster and Tom Webster would call a free note, which is, you know, basically speaking for free with the idea that I'm going to get in front of, you know, people who would hire my company to do consulting. So, yes, that has fallen off a cliff. Um, and the with the cancellations and I've had, you know, I'm not traveling to Europe, as I told the audience last week that I was going to be doing yep. that. That trip got canceled, which was a paying gig, by the way. Um, and uh, I've had a number of cancellations and or delays. And yeah, exactly. You've seen it from all sorts of uh, some of the, you know, of the colleagues that are in the other speakers, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, you know, I think, uh, you know, I'm of two minds of this. One is sort of, uh, you know, I, I, I do believe and, you know, call me, I don't know what, what the word would be, but I, I believe this is an overreaction. Um, and that's just the way I'm going to say it, right? I think we are in many ways buying into panic and fear as opposed to sanity and you know, just general safety precautions, you know, because the general safety precautions are what we should all be doing, quite frankly, every flu season. Um, now, I know it's different than the flu, and I know it's more serious than the flu in many cases, but it's quite frankly, I think, going to end up the way that H1N1 did back, you know, 10 years ago. And H1N1, which for those of you who remember is the bird flu and was a similar trajectory, Ultimately, there was a vaccine and ultimately we got our hands around it and ultimately everybody forgot about it again because something else in the news cycle took over. So I think we're going to we're going through a painful short period of time. I don't think this is the new normal. I don't think this is, you know, I, I think this is something that we're going to have to deal with. And it's an important thing to deal with. And it's unfortunate that it affects so many people who are either now on travel freezes from their company and can't attend conferences. They're, you know, they're on budget freezes because quite frankly, their business is being hurt. You know, those in the travel industry and those in the service industry. Um, and, you know, what's really really painful are those people who, uh, quite frankly, have to go to work, right? They're, they don't yep. have the, you know, they don't have the option of not driving their cab or going in and waiting tables or going in and, you know, paying for their kids school because they have to go to work. And so the whole advice of, well, just stay home and work from home and do all, no, that doesn't apply to them. And that's where it's real, the real tragedy. So, you know, end of last year, we were all worried about, you know, a recession, you know, hap happening because of, you know, where the interest rates were and jobs and the economy. And now I think we're dealing with something completely different. So it just, it just shows you that, you know, you've got to be prepared and you've got to think through things and it's a tough time. And I'm, I'm always in a positive uh, sort of viewpoint, but I think, I think we have a lot of good things to be grateful for as well. So I yeah. tend to look at the positive and I'm going to, and I'm going to, I'm just going to keep keep, you know, keep the fight, you know, I'm, I'm just doing what I do and I'm going to, I'm going to evolve and change along with it. I, well, I, I'm right with you on the, the positive, uh, taking a positive stance on it where I'm, it's, it's troubling to me because my wife and I, we obviously have a lot of, um, elderly family and non-family that we go and visit. And we saw a lot of them this week. And there's two things on their mind. They're scared. And first of all, these are people, by the way, that watch news all the time. They've got it to some station watching it all the time. So they're freaking out over the coronavirus. 
And at the same time, they're seeing the stock market and their retirement savings go down the tubes. And they're so they're freaking out about that as well. And I really feel bad for those people. And I agree with you. I think this is this is just a temporary blip. And I would I'm telling them with the stock market, I'm like, look, just stay the course. Your objectives haven't changed. These things happen in the stock market. We get corrections all the time for many reasons. We're getting one this time for this. It actually, by the way, is a really good buying opportunity. Pretty shortly, if you're like going to buy some of the, some of yeah, the cruise right. companies or movie theaters or airlines. I mean, it's absolutely going to affect their business businesses and is. But this is a blip. This is not an underlying business model change, I don't think. So... Anyways, I'm with you on that. It's good to hear that uh, it seems like, especially the, the domestic events, I think you're already seeing a turn, Robert. I don't know if you agree with me, but a lot of the, I mean, we've, we've already, as far as I can tell, South by Southwest is going on. It is. You've, you've yep. got an, as of today. Yeah, as yep. of today. And there's a lot of pressure on them to cancel. But at the same time, there's a lot of people saying, look, we're not going to freak out over this. Let's all, you know, wash our hands, don't touch our face, do these kind of things, but let's go. We can be in public with other people. This is something exactly. that's going to be fine. And um, and I think you're seeing more events. Which is the case, by the way, if way. it's the new normal, if this really is the new normal, we're going to have to get used to Deal it with anyway. It. Yeah, right? we're not going to stay in our houses. It's, it's right. not like World War Z or anything. No, this doesn't. It, this isn't something. I saw one guy on television who was like, "Can't we just all go get it? Like, let's just all go get the flu, and then it'll be done." It'll be done. I know. <laughs> I know it's a little extreme. I get it, but you know, it's. Uh, yeah. Did you see the? I don't know if you saw the picture of this. It was really funny, but it was a guy. So instead of a mask over his face, he had a CD of uh, McAfee virus protection. Over <laughs> over his face. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Anyways, that's it's really crazy. Good. But I think you and I are here for the people listening to take them away from, from all, all that, that. All that. That's exactly and right. We want to talk about. And now I know you're going to throw us into the first article, but before you yeah. do that, yeah, I have to give my friend Robert Rose all the kudos in the world because if I would have, I don't know if I I would have been able to write an article. So compelling and well as you did on the one oh, we're going to talk about, because I shared it everywhere, as you know, and I fell in love with this article because you hit it so on the head. And so thank you for writing it and making us all aware <laughs> that, it, well. that idiocy doesn't just happen in government. <laughs> right. I'll, so that I'll just let you go from there and then all we can right. have a discussion. Well, yes, it is the time for the top of our show with some articles that Joe and I are going to talk about. And by the way, it was a full, despite everything else going on in the world, it was a full news week um, of stuff that happened in the world of content and marketing and all of that stuff. And yes, um, thank you very much, my friend, for saying nice things. The first article we'll talk about is written by yours truly here, and it's on Content Marketing Institute's blog. Um, and the headline is Ad Age Content Marketing Finalists Are Ads. It's wrong and it matters. Um, and it opens up, I open up by saying, so the following is a bit of a rant. It, it's more of a bit than a bit of a rant. It's a rant. Um, but honestly, 
and I mean this earnestly, uh, it's directed mostly at me. Um, and what we have been able to do as a collective group um, in terms of telling the story of content marketing and our inability thus far to really drive it home to some of the people in our industry that really matter, which of course are the folks at AdAge. Um, as I say, the irony is obvious, you know, it's our story, but we haven't told it very well yet. But basically what happened is, is that AdAge, uh, the magazine, had their yearly, what they call their A-list and creativity awards. Um, And as part of their A-list and creativity awards, the subset that is called creativity, they have a content marketing category. And the finalists, there is not yet a winner. That'll be in April when they announce the winner of it. But the three finalists that they have uh, recognized for being the best content marketing examples that they have gotten are just, you know, they're great examples, to be clear. They're wonderful examples of advertising um, and of direct marketing, but they are the worst examples I can think of as terms of content marketing. And they are HBO for their uh, Game of Thrones season, uh, last season sort of integrated campaign, which was just a brand extension of them bringing the Game of Thrones brand to Budweiser and to Red Cross and to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who became the Minnesota Dire Wolves for a week, um, and so on and so forth. The second one was this amazing, disturbing, but amazing ad for uh, the Sandy Hook Promise, which was uh, back to school essentials, um, which their campaign was really done uh, by you know to show the the idea of uh, being aware of of guns um, and things that are going on in schools. And then the last one was uh, Skittles, which was a campaign they ran called Advertising Ruins Everything, which was basically a long form ad about Skittles and you know singing a cute song musical about advertising not being very good. So anyway, I roll it all up and, and, and basically my point is, and then I would love to get your take, sure. um, yeah. is basically, you know, in many ways, people have said to us, well, does it really matter what we call content marketing? And I'm like, well, no, ultimately, if you do the practice, if you actually practice the approach, I don't care if you call it good marketing or you call it storytelling or you call it brand. I don't, I, I don't really care. What I care is about the approach, the practice. I've largely built a career on this. But when you're going to create a category that's going to teach people what award-winning work looks like with that approach, yeah, then definitions really do matter. And that's where I think ad age either A, didn't do the work. In other words, they didn't sort of look around and go, hmm, who might we ask about what great works looks looks like here? Or two, it was cynical. In other words, and that, and I think it's honestly the latter. I think it was a cynical way to say, hey, listen, we can just throw up a category where we're going to recognize a couple of clever other uh, you know, sort of nominees here, and we'll just put them in this category because they're cool. Um, and, you know, and I think that's basically sets the approach back. So that's why I was annoyed by the whole thing and wrote the post. Well, the post needed to be written. And you can't shoulder all the responsibility yourself. Because as you know, I've had I have the same frustrations. And it happens with CMI's own awards program. And I, I, I talked about this in uh, my keynote presentation at Content Marketing World, but I did the judging. I was one of the judges for the Content Marketing Strategy of the Year. And mm-hmm. more than half of the submissions were campaigns. 
We're short-term right. campaigns. Right. Now, closer to content marketing than what you just talked about, but still not content marketing. And, you know, we want to talk about, first of all, consistent communication of value to a targeted audience. It's a very important part of what we're talking about here. Now, you can widen the, the, the definition of content marketing however you want to, but traditionally, and we have, right, we'll, we'll allow other platforms to be used in the definition, but traditionally, coming all the way back from custom media and custom publishing, it took place on an owned media platform, your own magazine, your own newsletter, your own e-newsletter. Then we've, we've sort of broadened it out a little bit. It's like, oh, you could have a content marketing program on a podcast like we're doing here or because we don't necessarily own a part of it, but we distribute it on a channel that we don't own or control. Uh, same thing with a YouTube uh, or, or something on Instagram, which you're, you're getting into a little bit of muddy waters here. But today we have so many channels here. It's like I can, I can live with that. But it, you, I can't. You can't sit back and accept that this is going on when it's not even consistent. And it's so the definition, by the way, of advertising. Advertising is paid placement on somebody else's platform. That's exactly what. Right. That's exactly exactly what the three examples of content marketing were for this Ad Age Awards program. And I guess, you know, we could talk about this all day long and just kind of rant in our own fishbowl. But the thing that really bothers me is. How many people have tweeted and posted on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter about this stuff? No response. Nothing. Oh, Do you yeah. hear anybody from, from Ad Age, Age yeah. saying anything? Yeah. Which no. is you probably yeah. why they probably just don't care. We're probably just so right. – we're, we're like little gnats that won't stop talking. They're like uh, – they, they're annoying, but they really don't do anything. Yeah, I don't know that we're gnats these days to them. I mean, Well, you know, it has changed you know, quite a bit, hasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a different world for them, which is what I said at the very end. I said, you know, they, I mean, they have to recognize, uh, you know, because I've watched ad. I mean, Advertising Age, which is what it used to be called. Advertising Age was a print magazine back in the day. It's been produced, you know, for the last oh, goodness gracious, 90 years. And I've been a subscriber for certainly the last 20. And it was the you know, it was the source of the truth for the world of advertising and marketing for a number of years. It was where you went, right? It was where you went for the latest thought leadership on what was going on in the space. And then over time, as it became ad age, um, I think in 2010, 2011, not too long ago, um, and really went to a more digital format, they still print and I still get the print magazine. Um, It really became sort of, a you know a highlight of what all the campaigns are going on right now from various B2C organizations and you know in a world where their magazine has gone from you know let's call it I don't even remember how big the, the the tabloid was back in the early days, but you know let's call it 50 pages or you know so, or, or so down to now you know the print magazine I get is probably 12, 14 pages, something like that. Um, you know, and you know, seven of those are ads, right? There's just not a lot of thought leadership going on there these days, nor is there a lot of industry shaking stuff, um, that's happening for all the reasons that we know, right? The reasons that advertising is disappearing and fading away as sort of a primary focus of, of, of marketing strategy. 
And so you would think that there would be sort of this eagerness on their part to evolve and change and really look at their own model and say, how do, what, what does ad age look like in a world that is populated in 2020 by people who are creating great original content programs, but they're just, they don't, there doesn't seem to be any interest there at all. But the, here's what bothers me is <laughs> that you, first of all, you use the term, you deserve the scrutiny if you get the term wrong. All right. So yeah, what, that's right. this is all deserved is. in my, but if they would, if it was the, the top direct marketing program of the year and they got the definition wrong, I can only imagine what the DMA is going to do. If they did, it would be, couldn't you imagine the outrage in the industry? Well, if they had put like the best advertisements of the year up and it was basically, you know, something like, you know, a, a viral social post or something well, like that. Well, I mean, like, yeah. no, I mean, yeah. just take the term, for example, uh, direct marketing or social media, other practices, right? Well, what if you said the, the top social media awards and it was just a, a, a print magazine, <laughs> right? Right. That's right. That's, That's what right. we're talking about here. You're to, you're saying it's one thing. Oh, social media. I know what that means. It's you know, this is it happen on Facebook or Twitch or a social platform or Reddit? No, you know, no. We're, we go. The, we're going to go 180. We're going to we're going to we're going to give an award out, and then we're it's not going to be anything like right. what it's supposed to be. We're going to give it to the greatest billboard that ever existed. <laughs> I mean, and, and you, you and I both, we've been involved in awards programs for a long, long time. And when you add a new category, I understand wh- why you usually, they, they probably did it because, oh, great. You know, we can, if somebody's going to spend another $300, uh, you know, they're already submitting, but man, we can get another $300 from this one, another 300. It's like, okay, that makes sense. That's a good revenue right. generating app opportunity. That's, that's sadly where I think, yeah. just, uh, you know, and maybe I'm being a bit cynical here, but that's sadly what I think. That's the calculus I think they made, which was basically if we throw three more candidates in here, one, we'll get more people to come to our dinner. Um, and, 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 Two will get you know a, you know a few more you know people will feel like their investment in their award nominations have gone you know well and by the and and we've seen this in a lot of places though with it's not just ad age it's a lot of organizations and it's a lot of individuals because yeah. something happened when when you took advertising in the last few years and you just told more in depth stories and, and you said this really well in the article where you said you kind of oh that just it's advertising but with more storytelling. That's really, that's really it. That's right. And that for some. That's what, that's how they're, that's what they're, if you sort of parse out their category definition, it's kind of what they say, right? If you, if you take out all of the adjectives and ways that they try and sort of, you know, get around the idea of the definition, basically it's like, you know, advertising with some storytelling in it. So I don't know. I don't know what your recommendation is. I guess mine would be to everyone listening to this is it does, you know, Terms, terms matter. It, definitions yeah. matter. I mean, you and I fought the battle the about matters. Well, you and I fought the battle about you know con- content marketing versus content strategy versus inbound marketing. I mean, how many articles did we write about this stuff? Just to say yeah. it's you know if do the, it doesn't matter what you call it, but when you call it something, make sure it's right. That's all we're asking. Yeah, that's make exactly sure right. That you, and, that's, all, and, that's all we ask. That's it. And if you don't know what it is, don't you call know, it anything. Just go do yeah, what you're well, doing. Well, here's the thing. That this is this is the thing that you know we used to say all the time back in the day, going back to the you know some of the early days of the podcast when we would rant about this stuff. 
you know, we used to say, okay, fine, call it whatever you like, right? You know, if you get the practice right, don't really care. Don't misdefine it. Yeah. In other words, don't don't go out and say you know what it is and then try and put a definition that's wrong about it, right? That's the key. If you want to do the practice right, call it anything you want. Don't care. But don't go out and actively, which is what AdAge did here, basically go out and create a category for it and then misdefine it. That's the, that's the, that's the part that's annoying. I say that we create some awards and call them the ad awards, but they're not <laughs> ads. How about that? Right. That's there you go. I like I'm it. I'm totally doing that. <laughs> yeah. The advertising. <laughs> I'm sorry. We could go in a whole lot of ranty directions here, but we probably should just yeah. move on. So <laughs> let's move on because we have some really cool. Oh, yes. Some, so speaking Loved of them. content marketing, yeah. and this gets to why we chose that story, quite frankly, um, you know, as the theme of the, the episode um, is now, of course, this is our second segment where we have picked a few articles that we'll talk a little bit about. Um, given how much we've ranted already, we'll be a little short on time to do this. But there are two that will pair together here because they both happened last week and they are both near and dear um, to the stuff that we've been talking about for some time. So the first of uh, article we'll link to comes to us courtesy of Forbes, um, although there are a number of other publications covering this. And it is MailChimp, um, the software company, acquires British bi-monthly magazine, The Courier, which is a relatively famous uh, magazine, opening up by saying MailChimp is expanding its presence beyond email into the world of print. The Atlanta-based marketing platform has acquired Courier, a small London-based media company focused on educating entrepreneurs and small businesses. Founded in 2013 by Jeff Taylor, Courier's 12-person team produces a bi-monthly magazine, newspaper, newsletter, podcast, and various events. So there's the first. The second, which is an even bigger acquisition, comes uh, courtesy of our friends at Salesforce. Um, and we're just going to link right to their press release because not a lot of actual coverage has happened on this. And the headline is, well, Welcome to the CM. Welcome the CMO Club to the Salesforce family. Opening up by uh, the blog post posted by Stephanie Buscemi, uh, who is the CMO of Salesforce, and I've had the pleasure of doing a little work with. Um, and uh, she says, "Today I am excited to announce that Salesforce has acquired the CMO Club, and we're welcoming founder and CEO Pete Cranick and the entire CMO Club community to the Salesforce family. CMO Club is the world's largest, most innovative, and engaged member-based community of CMOs." and progressive marketing leaders and they do events they do uh, of course uh, you know a website and content and all the things to sort of keep uh, their community of cmos uh interested so what say you mr Pulitzi? this is is have we finally gotten to the point where we're starting to see these acquisitions heat up yes i think that that we we aren't even aware of the dozens of solid size deals that are happening right now that are going to be announced in the next nine to 12 to 18 months that are going to be very similar to what we're seeing here. And finally, I, I mean, <laughs> I think we should both give ourselves a little pat on the back for talking about this thing for how many years that this was going to happen. And now we're seeing it happen. And I, I kind of, first of all, I have to send some apologies out because I've been really hard on MailChimp. Uh, I, I talk about them in almost every presentation about how I think they totally messed up their content marketing strategy. And I still believe that in a lot of in a lot of ways. But I love this yeah. one. And by the way, it's I, a great acquisition. It's a great, for sure. great acquisition. Probably didn't cost them all that much uh, compared to uh, 
advertising, however you want to define no. that. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at it. It look at the worst. This becomes a great aqua hire. Yeah. Right. Where they're getting some amazingly talented people um, as part of a, you know, as part of a media organization that can help them do all the things that you have railed on them for in terms of, you know, throwing as much as they have against the wall. Well, and what I love, you read the article, they, the MailChimp team, I think it's the CMO, Tom Klein, talks about how they felt, they, their team believed there's nothing like the courier in the marketplace anywhere else, from the audience they target to how they communicate to the assets. So that's a really great point because when you're thinking about whether or not we should acquire a content brand versus start your own, if there's something out there that's just resonating so well and it's very, very hard to duplicate, that's when you would say, well, maybe we should go buy it instead of trying it ourselves. It's going to be very hard to do that. Um, so I, they had the foresight to go and, and invest in something like this. And, and obviously they've been working with, it sounds like from the article, they've been working with this team for a long time. Uh, I think Courier uses MailChimp as their e-newsletter provider. So they got to know each other. Uh, fantastic. It worked out really well. So from that standpoint, MailChimp, hats off to them. Uh, <laughs> the Salesforce one was super surprising and I absolutely loved it. Um, I mean, you can almost think about the CMO club as a, as a, an association, uh, so you're going to see, man, I mean, who? just put two and two together, right? Who's got all the money right now? Big corporate <laughs> brands right? have all the money. Who doesn't yes. have all the money right now? Associations and media, cl- me- uh, media uh, brands. But they have something that the corporate brands really need. They have first-party data. They have content. They have talent. They have audiences. And well, so and it one makes of the hardest to sense. reach audiences on the planets, right? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, if there's a group that might even be harder to reach than computer engineers, it's CMOs. And, you know, all of a sudden you now have a, you know, a, a little bit of a walled garden to reach these, you know, a community of CMOs who is already engaged in the content that it's getting created. And now you've created something that can not only do what it does, but do what it does with a lot more funding and a lot more uh, energy behind it. Now, there are requisite risks and there are requisite all of the things that you might expect from a group of CMOs who have just now realized that a software company has taken over sponsorship of this community and they'll have to tread very lightly and be very careful with this. But man, is this just a smart move by Salesforce to, to look at and, you know, and they're, they've gone all in with content, by the way. I mean, they're, you know, Benioff has, has truly sort of laid out the vision for all of his direct reports to say, find the places where we can be, you know, we can transform Salesforce into a true B2B lifestyle brand, you know, and really, you know, take over thought leadership in a big way. So this isn't surprising to me that they did this. Um, I guess what surprises me a little bit is how perfect a match it was right in the beginning. Instead of going out and getting a, a magazine or something like that, they went out and got something very, very niche and specific. So it's it's really cool. I agree with everything you said, except for one thing. Of course, I can't agree with everything. Uh, of course, they. I don't think they have to tread lightly. I think those days are gone for the most part, unless you totally royally screw up the content mission of eh, the brand. I'm you, you serious. Know, I, what, well, what, who, are, do, do, are do people really care today? Do people care that Jeff Bezos bought the Post? 
I've, I'm seeing people right now that are saying that the Washington Post is becoming the national newspaper over the New York Times because they think that that, pu- that publication is run better. I'm seeing that right now. If you continue with the mission and you continue creating great content and building loyal audiences, nobody cares. Well, that uh, that's the point. Yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, of course, right? You know, do things well and good things happen, right? I mean, that's, yes, of course. That's what I mean by tread lightly. Uh, you know, what, you mean what like not be an do. idiot? Right. <laughs> that's well, what you're saying. Don't royally word, screw it up in, with in your a, own, with by pushing your own product. Into. In a word, and going back to your Galloway idea, right? It is not partisan to say to you know to to yes. observe idiocy, well right? Taken. And we've observed plenty of idiocy over the last few years of companies acquiring uh, media companies and just royally screwing them up by taking too heavy a hand in this, right? So, uh, yeah, it is. I think they do have to tread lightly, but it is in exactly the way you know, letting them do what they do, right? You know, what's the classic thing from West Wing? Let Bartlett be Bartlett, right? It's they got to let CMO Club be CMO Club. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, and I, I think that you're right. There is, there's, <laughs> they could, could something go wrong? Yes. But as you have mentioned many times on this program, <laughs> a, comp- a brand is a brand. Right. And they all have... A, if, if we if we believe what we've been spewing out over the past few years is that every brand has the same same 10 revenue opportunities, whether it's a media company or product or service brand, and it's either led smartly or it's not. That's right. And that's it. But it's all that's the right. same model today. The Salesforce model, the S- Salesforce has 10 different ways that they could drive revenue, just like the New York Times does. Same Exact 10 things. And we have to stop thinking that the New York Times and Salesforce are different in some way. Agreed. Totally agreed. I'm with you 100% there. Right. I totally agree that we have backed ourselves into a corner with this sort of feeling skeevy about the fact that brands, you know, are launching media properties or acquiring media properties, which, by the way, has been around forever. Right. Nobody was worrying, you know, back in the day when General Electric owned NBC and nobody cared when Westinghouse owned CBS. You know, nobody was running around going, oh, bias, bias. Right. Yeah. But today, because of the ways that media is perceived, there is a little bit more of a delicate balance there. And I agree it shouldn't be there, but it is. And so while it's there, I think you've got to be careful about the way that you leverage what it is you're doing and the speed at which you do it. Yes, I would. I would. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Take another drink. Yeah, everybody take another drink but because, yeah. I'm just saying that our perception of companies being different is only going to be here for a few more years. I agree. I don't disagree with that. But to, but the, but <laughs> from now from from tomorrow, you know, for some of us on this podcast, you know, a few more years is like a few more years of fancy umbrella drinks. You know, for some of us, we actually have to go, you know, deal with this tomorrow morning and get out of our cube. So a few more years is a few more years. To wrap up this thinking, I think we've we've, <laughs> we've beaten this horse. This yeah. you've got Salesforce and, and Mailchimp that have um, have shown now that they're innovative enough to take advantage of purchasing, acquiring media operations, uh, association operations, if you will. And there's 
there we don't realize this, but there's a run going on right now. This is a gold yes, rush. This is exactly. happening right now in everyone's industry. And that's what I was doing the Q&A in San Mateo last week talking to that was the big question about acquire, acquiring or build. And I well, and I said I said, "You look, you should look at both. I'm just telling you right now that distressed media asset sale that's going on right now is not going to be there forever. So you better move on it in your industry so, right now." So here's so I'll, I'll give you a tactical example of that, and then we can close this down. Uh, you, I don't know if you saw this. We didn't even talk about talking about this, but uh, did you see about a week and a half, two weeks ago, Information World uh, closed down? Yes, I saw your post on LinkedIn about it. I so I will just tell you where I basically posted out on LinkedIn. So for those of you who don't know, Information World, the sort of I mean, an amazing magazine over the last two decades of data management and information management. And I used to read it all the time. Um, then I kind of got out of that business and then um, and, and stopped reading it as much. But just a wonderful set of talented people who talk about you know this stuff. It closed down. They closed the magazine down. And I sort of put out a challenge on LinkedIn and said, any brand that's not looking at this and making, you know, calling up that publisher tomorrow and saying, can I buy this is crazy. I had four people direct message me saying, do you know anybody there that I can call? Are you kidding me? No. Yeah. Oh. And so and so I don't. I don't know anybody there. And then for two of them, you know, I responded to those who, who, who sent me messages saying, I don't know anybody there personally. And two of them emailed me back and said, nope, no worries. I got it all solved. We're talking to them directly. So we'll see what happens. It could be interesting. Uh. Boy, if somebody wanted to be a consultant and bring deals like this together, <clears throat> Robert. <laughs> well, you know, yes. I mean, we do it, right? We've, I've, I've actually talked with a couple of companies, you know, one of which, you know, we may have actually talked about on this show, but, um, you know, to, to do, to do exactly that. Yeah. We've yeah. been, we've been, yeah. we've been, we've been do quietly doing some work in the background. Yeah, anybody here, so. wants to, yeah. Any, any enterprise brand yeah. wants to do these things. I'm yeah. sure there's somebody at content advisory. Anybody. That can anybody, help. Any, anybody out there? All right. Uh, what do we got next, there? sir? What do we <laughs> All got? right. We'll cover this one quickly because we need to, of course, get to our wonderful sponsor. But this is a an article that you sent over and is actually just fascinating. Uh, it comes to us from PublishersWeekly.com. The headline is Colin Kaepernick, of course, of the uh, San Francisco 49er uh, football and NFL fame. This is when all the Europeans go, oh, really? Football? No, this isn't about football. So just uh, chill out for a minute. Um, he has launched a publishing house and has audible audio deal. The article opens up by saying free agent NFL quarterback and controversial poli political activist Colin Kaepernick announced plans to publish a memoir to be released via his own publishing venture, Kaepernick Publishing. Uh, the yet-to-be-titled memoir will also be released as an audiobook in 2020 as part of an exclusive multi-project agreement between Kaepernick Publishing and Audible, Amazon's audio content platform. And the article then goes on to describe uh, Ka uh, Kaepernick's fame, uh, talking about his uh, efforts with Audible um, and uh, all, all of the things that he's been doing. So what's your take here? What, what, uh, what, what did you find so fascinating about this? Uh, I like the fact that anyone with a little bit of stature can create their own entity like this and you don't have to rely on basically the big five publishing companies that are out there, which 
I'm as frustrated with it being in this as anyone. Uh, I love his mission to create opportunities for black and brown writers, authors, and creators to control their narratives and retain ownership. You can say what you want about Colin Kaepernick. A lot of people hate him and a lot of people love him. There's really no in-between with it. But the guy's trying to do something good, I think, with this. Uh, if I was to have any concerns about it, Robert, is that I don't think he's going all in with it. I think the partnerships with Audible and a couple other publishing entities means that he's outsourcing a lot of this. And I will forgive him for that, for getting started, to say we're going to do it. We're going to partner with some experts until we learn it. And then we're going to do our own thing. If that's the case, I'm totally fine with it. I would like to see him evolve into and bring some of that competency on staff. I'm sure, hopefully, hoping that that's what's going to happen in the future. But there's no reason why anybody of his stature can do these things. And if he believes that there is an underrepresentation of storytellers in that area and he can help, God bless him. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's for that's for for me it's that, right? It's like, all right, let me wait and see here. What does he do yes, with this? Right? We don't this know. It's just a this could literally I mean, there are so many celebrities in this town where I live, of course, of Los Angeles, who set up production companies um as, you know, as they are wont to do. But the only thing they do is are, you know, they're just ostensibly vanity projects for their for their own you know, for their own selves, right? In other words, they just become holding companies for what they do um, rather than sort of developing any original artists or developing any original content. So I will be very excited to see if he actually turns this into a thing and actually turns this into a media company that surfaces people other than himself. I guess that's the point. Well, that's that's exactly the concern, because if you read this article, you'll see partnerships with Audible, you'll see partnerships with Melcher Media, and you'll see distribution partnerships with Two, with Two Rivers Distribution. That's an Ingram company. Uh, and you're like, it's just, it's just, just one person on Colin's staff, and we're outsourcing everything? <laughs> and is it yeah, just going to be right. Colin's stuff? I'm concerned about that, too. So I think you're right. I think we have to wait and see. I hope... He goes all in with it. And plus, he's a San Francisco 49er. I mean, what's not the like? <laughs> oh, no. Did you really just go there? Wow. You just went there. That is That might be the most ridiculous thing you've ever said. That's <laughs> Truly the most oh, ridiculous thing. Oh, that's impossible. That's impossible. All right. <laughs> Let's, we got to ex- extricate ourselves from this ridiculousness right now. And you're t- for penance... You have to do, I should make you do the sponsor uh, slot in the voice of Elmo, but oh, I'm not going to do that. You just have to do, tell, let's talk about our wonderful we're sponsor here, do, yeah, because it actually is that. an event that's going to happen here. Yeah, thankfully, Content Tech Summit is happening. Beautiful San Diego, April 20th to 22nd, 2020. You should register now at contenttechsummit.com. Uh, basically, if you're struggling with or not struggling, and you want to network with people that are dealing with new technologies, uh, content distribution, how to look at our processes, combining all those things that are fundamentally changing marketing today, content tech is where where really all these enterprise brands are coming together. Uh, and I would absolutely recommend it. You've got some great speakers lined up, Robert. Of course, Robert Rose himself is going to be there. You really That's all you really need to know. I mean, if Robert's <laughs> speaking, he's going to be presenting... But you've got dozens and dozens of the best brands in the world that are also going to be being also going to be there. 
and I think that probably by April 20th, uh, people are going to need to get out a little bit because hopefully yeah, some of this, uh, sure. some of this, you know, flailing over what's going on and people staying home is going to be uh, old and we've got to get out and start networking and start learning and educating. So San Diego, April 20th, 22nd content tech summit. Be there. I love it. I'm looking forward to it. I was just in San Diego for uh, Social Media Marketing World, which was a great event, by the way, um, full of fist bumps and elbow bumps and all that stuff. And they, they always put on a good show. So it was fun to be there and come back uh, in uh, April for, for content tech. There you go. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for your empirically proven favorite part of the show. It is our <laughs> rants and raves section. Would you, which st- course- would you stop? With the no, empirically no. proven, because well, one person, because one person yeah. tells you that that's, that's the right. reason why that the show is great, that, it doesn't that, mean that it's empirical. Correct. I have one data point, so as a marketer, that's what I'm going <laughs> off of, my friend. Which will be very funny, hopefully, when you hear my my rant in, in just a little oh, bit. Um, it is, of course, your favorite part of the show, our rants and rave section, when Joe and I go off in a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like. Oh, you know, something, 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 coronavirus. All right. So um, would you like to go first or would shall oh, I go first? I'm, I have a rant. Okay. I, have, I have what is I actually have. Rant. I have one of each. Uh, so one so of let my, me go first. Let me go first so that we end on a positive note because you have a rave there. Yeah, but I also have a rant, too. I was going right, to add well. a rant. It's, it's going to be ranty. That's OK. I'll uh, I'll end with the rave. So you okay. do your rant, and then I'll do my rant, and then I'll end with a quick rave, and then everybody will be happy. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, mine is definitely a rant, and maybe, did you see the thing going around on social media um, where basically the the headline covered with most of the people who covered this was 38% of beer drinking Americans won't buy Corona now that the coronavirus is out I've there. I've heard something about it. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a, it's going around on social media. There's memes about it. There's, you know, it's, it's gone quite viral as a, <laughs> forgive the pun um, uh, of over the last couple of weeks. And it's based on a press release, um, which is based on a study. And I'm going to use that word really, really, really loosely here that was put out by a PR public relations agency um, called 5W. Um, 5WPR is their name. And I'm throwing them under the bus because this is the worst kind of content marketing. Um, They did a quote unquote study uh, where they basically conducted their study um, of uh, 730 American beer drinkers over the age of 21 um, in February. And basically regarding their opinions about uh, the popular Mexican beer brand Corona. And basically uh, they then tied this to the coronavirus. What they found was if you look at the actual data, 38% of beer drinking Americans will not buy Corona under any circumstances. Now, what that means is that they ask people if they would buy Corona. Like I would ask you if you would buy Corona. And you would say, well, no, I don't like Corona. And I would say, would you buy it under any circumstances? And you would say, no, I would not buy that under any circumstance. There, now I have my data point. By the way, it means that 62% of Americans would buy Corona, <laughs> by the way, if we just flip that number on its head, which doesn't make as much of a clickbaity headline. But the more important part is, is that this has nothing to do with coronavirus. It means that about 40% of Americans don't like Corona and wouldn't buy it. 
There's no story there. But by tying it to the coronavirus, now all of a sudden we're saying the reason that 38% of beer drinking Americans yeah. wouldn't buy Corona is because of the coronavirus, which is ridiculous at its face. And so I, I just, what annoys me about this is that it's the worst kind of content marketing that's out there, which is choosing your data point and finding some clickbaity headline. And then the worst of it is, is that the news organizations are just passing this off um, as as news. And it's not news, it's not content, it's not valuable, and it's definitely not content marketing. So that's my rant. The 38% aren't drinking Corona because they have no limes. That's, yeah. if they had right. limes. <laughs> exactly. They should have, I wish they would have qualified it with that. It's like, what? well, what if we had limes? Like, oh, then everything's right. different. By the way, I'm drinking. by the way, this the second bullet point, the second bullet point, just to make this perfectly clear, the second bullet point in their press release, among those who said they usually do drink Corona, only 4% said they would stop drinking Corona. That, I mean, what? That, in other words, they actually did ask the question, apparently, about coronavirus. And they said, if you, but if you're part of these, by the way, 62% who do drink Corona, they, I guess, asked, they didn't actually provide a link to the actual questionnaire, which is, would be really helpful here. But they basically said, of the 62% who do drink Corona, only 4% of them said that they wouldn't drink Corona now. So there's your number, right? So, but a headline that says 4% of Corona drinkers won't drink Corona beer now that there's, that's not a, that's not a clickbaity headline. They need the 38% headline, which is just, uh, it's just, it's just annoying That's to just me. wrong. Yeah. It's wrong. Uh, you want, you want to listen to another rant? Yes, I okay. do. So I, I have a, a quick rave at the end of this. We'll all go home happy. But as you know, as everyone knows, um, this last week was the Will to Die launch week. You can tell, by the way, thank you, Robert, for all your sharing. I'm sure that... And all my purchasing. And, uh, oh, yeah. You, we went shopping. That was, I could see the bump we got yeah. as soon as... We'll, we'll know the full results. Uh, I could tell you right now we're not getting USA Today bestseller. But I'm, I'm feeling good about the results. So that I'll, I will share more later. But one of the things that happened this week that were, was very upsetting is the audiobook wasn't ready. So the Wilton I audiobook was not ready. Now it's people need to know when you submit to, uh, by the way, I've never had a problem with audible ever mm. audible an Amazon company, never had a problem with them before you and I have done many audiobooks with them. Great stuff. No problem. Yeah. They say seven to 10 days for production when you business days. So when you submit You'll get an answer, most likely approved, in seven to ten days, you'd be up and running. So I submitted the Will to Die audiobook on February 4th, knowing that 30 days later we were going to launch. Plenty of time, right? No problem at all. Well, last week still wasn't updated. I'm getting a little nervous here. So it's been 20 business days, double the amount of time they say. I'm getting nervous. So I sent them a note and say... Um, you know, you said seven to ten business days. I haven't heard it's back. It's now been twenty, right? It's been twenty. What's going on? So I get a, I get a note back. So this is new. I get a note back. In most cases, titles will be posted for retail on Audible, Amazon, and iTunes approximately thirty days after they are submitted. It's thirty. Where'd that come from? It does. They said it started with seven to ten days. So in this in this time frame, they had switched. 
from seven to ten days to thirty days. They said you, you, it's your fault. You, it's you my caused fault. them to delay. There's a big, some kind of a big backup or something like that. Big, a lot of, lot of stuff in production. Okay, that's fine. So I reached out, whatever it was, ten days ago, and I'll reach. I said, I'll, you know, I'll wait a couple days, reach out again. I go ahead and reach out again. I said, hey, you know what? My launch is on March second. I've got some promotions going behind it. This is really important that I have this going. Is there anything you can do? I'm getting a little concerned. Listen to this. <laughs> oh my god. This is great. This is this is back from ACX customer support. So that's Audible customer support. Right. Hello Rosie. Oh nice. Thanks for contacting ACX. I understand you want to know why your book Something Molly Can't See. <laughs> oh no. Spooky Matchmaker's uh, book 2. Oh my gosh. Is when not personalization live yet. goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. When mail merge goes wrong. Nice. I'm like, oh, geez. So, oh, you okay. know what you need now is you got to, dude, you have to continue the thread. God. You have to, you have to write them back and you have to say from Rosie, by the way, with that book, you just have to keep going. I didn't do it. Yeah. I, I should have, but I didn't because I was so <laughs> frustrated. And by the way, uh, it's March 6th as we record this and the book's still not live. So it's just unfortunate. Oh, we had a, yeah, we had a lot of going. We had a lot of stuff going on around the audiobook. Obviously, a lot of audio listeners that wanted it. It's okay. I mean, it happens. I'm telling people that you know I'm trying to send people to Google Play, but a lot of people just you know they, you have your Audible app. That's what you do. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so we'll we'll see what happens. My my whole take on this is I don't know what's happened in the last thirty days, but I've never had this kind of production issues from from them before it's really they they must have a backlog or something that they're trying to get through or some technology glitch or something but all i can say is uh i really i'm the first thing i do when it's ready is i'm going to download something molly can't see spooky matchmaker (laughs) two (laughs) but what i'm amazed of is that there was a book one i mean i you know i missed book one of that i bet you it's awesome i'm totally gonna check this yeah okay you should send a note to rosie saying basically hey if you were wondering where your audible book is it's still in progress <laughs> you and rosie team up <laughs> i can't yeah i can't even uh i can't even go yeah. there all right so so very quick uh rave uh your friend and mine friend of the show jonah Berger, best-selling author of contagious yes came out with a really really cool book i'm halfway through it's called the catalyst how to change anyone's mind uh, if you are interested in a new, fresh look at persuasion techniques, and you know I love persuasion techniques, you got to pick up this book. It's called The Catalyst, How to Change Anyone's Mind. Oh, uh, I'm it's, totally Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Jonah Berger went on sale um, 3 3 so it should be available in all your favorite bookstores. Go <laughs> Except ahead, Audible. <laughs> go ahead and pick one up. Don't, I'm sure... I'm sure Mr. Berger didn't have a problem. I'm sure it's just Rosie yeah. and I that are having problems right now. So there you go. Very nice. All right. Well, where are you? I mean, are you home? The, I'm home. This, yeah. This? Yeah. So yeah. Okay. yeah, we did the. Uh, so as you know, I was in San Francisco this week. Um, you know, it'll be over by the time people listen to this. But we have a big book signing in downtown Cleveland at uh, Visible uh, Voice Books, and it's supporting Orange Effect Foundation. And we should get a large, hopefully, get a lot of people to come out, and I'll do the whole book signing thing, and hopefully, give some money to charity. So. 
it'll be a, a lot of fun. Now, are you traveling nice. this next week? I am actually, yes. Next week I'll be traveling. Um, and uh, I'm speaking, uh, ironically here, I'm speaking at two events. I'll be at uh, a private corporate event in Duluth, Georgia, the lovely Duluth, Georgia, uh, next Wednesday. And then next Friday, um, I am going to be speaking at Kent State University at the U2 Social Media Conference, keynoting that conference. And then I'll get a quick drive-by hug of you as I fly out of Cleveland Airport on Friday night. Wow, that's amazing that they went yeah. all the way to Los Angeles to get a content marketing keynote when I was right next door. I, you know, I mean, I, here's what I think. Um, first of all, you know, I'm just going to throw some shade up at the boys in San Francisco who I could say the exact same thing about. <laughs> I didn't write a novel that is being delayed um, in post-production by Audible. Um, and the second thing is, is that, you know, I, I, you know, I can't speak for them of whether they invited the great Joe Polizzi or not. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I'm getting to, I get, well, I get a trip to, I get a trip to Northeastern Ohio, which I'm excited about. It'll be nice to have a surprise visit from Mr. Rose and we can catch up for a little bit and I can buy a, a shot of tequila or something like that. So. I like it very, very much. Go. Well, that is it folks. Um, if you like this episode, number 229, that's right. 229 subscribe. Won't you? Um, we're not on audio. Um, but <laughs> that's good. Yep. Uh, but or get yourself a shiny new subscription wherever you get your podcast. Uh, give us reviews. We need the little reviews to keep us um, ranked up there uh, in the uh, top oh, 30, 20, 10, top five. We want to be really ranked high and all of that. And thank you, of course, for all your encouragement. Thank you for all the social posts. Thank you for all that you do in the audience of so story ideas. Do hashtag us up. Hashtag this old marketing is always great great to get those story ideas. We are, for those of you who are new to the podcast, publishing every other week now, so twice a month, basically. Um, and if you want more of Joe Polizzi, of course, you can get that at joepolizzi.com. He's got a shiny new website with his newsletter already going there. It's an amazing newsletter, so sign up for that. And if you're interested in more of the consulting side or you're interested in more of what's going on in practitioners in the business these days, come to our website, which is contentadvisory.net, where we're talking about all the things about content strategy. Um, all of that, of course, will be published in the show notes that we'll publish, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Remember, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you in a couple of weeks on This Old Marketing. Mm-hmm.